0: your job as a reporter is to put the blinders on, put forward and publish stories that are fundamentally
1: accurate. I'm Eric Wilson, managing partner of Startup Caucus, an investment fund and incubator for campaign technology. Welcome to the Business of Politics show. On this podcast, we bring you into conversation with the entrepreneurs who build best-in-class political businesses, the funders who provide the capital, and the operatives who put it all together to win campaigns. We've got something a little bit different today. Our guest is Alex Eisenstadt, national political reporter at Politico, where he's been since 2008. His coverage is must-read for anyone following the inner workings of national politics. I have all of his articles go straight to my inbox. On today's show, we discuss how the media interacts with campaigns, how he develops his professional relationships, and what the digital disruption of politics means for media. Alex, our listeners are mostly consumers of political reporting like yours, and from time to time they may even be sources, but they're not trained in journalism. Can you give us your perspective of, of how a typical story goes from start to finish?
0: Sure. You know, it, it it's sort of an organic kind of uh, abstract process where uh, I am in, and and, and look, so different reporters do this kind of stuff different. For me, at least, it's the way I do my job is it's having a constant ongoing conversations with the contacts in my phone, the people that I uh, chat with on, on a regular basis on campaigns, people at the national level. Um, and it's having those ongoing conversations that you come to learn, hey, that that might be an interesting story that might make for, for an interesting idea. And then once that idea gels, uh, you talk it over with your editor, uh, your editor either signs off or, or, or doesn't. And then if assuming you have the green light, you go forward and you further develop that idea with further reporting, you build it out with on the record quotes, you talk to sources off the record and on background. Uh, and, and from there, it, it gels into, into a story until uh, you you complete the re- reporting process and you and you start the writing process um, which is its whole other ball game because a lot of this is about presentation uh, and about conveying information in a way that is uh, digestible and that's interesting uh, to readers
1: so in your current role you're not necessarily say hey i've got these i've got to file a story today um, but you're developing stories over time and then they publish when they're ready is that how it sort of breaks down for you?
0: Essentially, you know, you sometimes stumble upon something that uh, needs to be posted immediately. You have breaking news situations uh, or you have stories that are time sensitive for one reason or the other. And and those stories need to post uh, sometimes in a very immediate fashion. But then you have stories that are a little bit more evergreen uh that you wanna or stories that just take a bit more time to develop the reporting on. Uh and so you kind of look at it through those generally those two buckets.
1: I'm curious to hear from your side of the ledger how you consider the the ways in which your story or reporting might affect the narrative or or possibly even the outcome of a race. Because you know the stories that you you publish and report on are are big stories and and they make Big headlines. So I'm curious to hear: Does that factor into your reporting or or your considerations for what you write about?
0: You know, it, it's an interesting question um, because before I got to Politico, I worked at a really small, uh, really small outfit. Um, this is back in 2007, uh, 2008. Eventually, got laid off. Went to Politico, and I realized you work at an organization that gets so many eyeballs and the stories have a real impact. Um, and so it, it, it's a responsibility on the part of the reporter to be um, and, and, and that reporter's editor really, who, who they play a critical role in this in terms of uh, assessing the information that you're getting uh, from different sources, uh, determining uh, its value And ensuring that whatever you're writing in the heat of a race, uh, really is accurate. Um, because the most important thing when you're reporting is, uh, is that the reporting is accurate. And so maybe it, maybe it impacts the outcome of a race. Maybe it impacts the way a race is run or maybe, maybe it doesn't. But your job as a reporter is to put the blinders on and to put forward and publish stories that are fundamentally accurate that is the most important job as I see it.
1: I imagine that that comes with a lot of pressure at times. And certainly you've got processes in place to fact-checking and your editor and and there's some level of accountability. And there's certainly been a lot of disruptions in politics with technology and social media sort of shortening that distance from fact-gathering to publishing. I'm curious to hear how things like that have affected your job as a reporter.
0: You know, one of the skills that I've really kind of tried to hone over the years is developing a process of ensuring that every single fact in the story is vetted. And that means going back to sources, oftentimes repeatedly, to ensure that every word down to the letter is accurate. And to me, that's the most important part of, of the job of a reporter is conveying information that's accurate and. The best way to do that is to continually go back to sources, press them for information to really ensure that what you are writing is accurate. And you know the role of an editor is also really important in that. And for, for me, it's bouncing stories off editors and does this sound right? Does this look right to you? And so it's a very important process.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking... Alex, took a few times in, in campaigns that I've, I've worked on, not, not with stories involving you, so you're off the hook here, but mm-hmm. where the report has been accurate in terms of details, but the context may have been missing something if, or, or if there were a wider aperture, how does having more context from your perspective or maybe even more sources help ensure that you're citing your facts, mm. locating them properly in the, the broader narrative?
0: Well, you know, they say that a reporter is only as as good as their as their sources. Now that's a cliche, but it's a cliche that in my opinion is is really true. And you know one of the things that I've really tried to accomplish over the years as I've, I've become more experienced, is developing a longer and longer and longer source list. Uh, so that way you can understand a particular event or a particular campaign. Um, from a variety of, of different perspectives. So, you know, you're not necessarily just looking for the perspective of one person, but you're looking the pers- for the perspective of, of a variety of people. And hopefully, um, as many people who are as close to the process uh, as possible. And so that doesn't mean that you don't talk to sources who have second or third hand information. Uh, it's fine to talk to those sources. But what you also want to ensure is that you're talking to, to the greatest extent possible uh, you can confirm information with sources who are as close uh, to the event as, as as possible, and and the more people that you talk to, the sort of richer and more detailed uh, the reporting is, um, and and that's something that's very valuable to readers.
1: And the stakes have continued to get higher and higher over the years. Certainly, um, in the the decade plus that you've been at Politico. And so politics has become a really, really big business in the United States. And so how do you think about the role of professionals and companies in the industry in the overall process? Because there is the this sort of through line of, you know what bills are being passed, what what are campaigns are being run on, but there's a subtext sometimes that emerges into, uh, the story itself of the the business side of politics,
0: right? And and you know, living and working in D.C., you you sort of get a sense of of the industry of politics and just how interconnected those in the consultant world are with those on the K Street side of things, with those who work on the Hill. And and you you've come to understand, and I I think you're making a good point, just how big that network is, and and when you cover. The Republican Party, which is primarily my job, It's understanding the different networks that are part of, of the Republican Party. And, and this is something that you know well as, as someone who's been involved in GOP politics. but th- there are different, uh, there are a lot of different groups and subsections that are all connected with one another. And you come to see sort of how many of those groups there are and their connections with one another. But but you're absolutely right. It, it it's a huge po- politics is a huge industry at this point, point. and there's a lot of money that goes through the system. But as a reporter, it, it's important to establish relationships with as many of those people within that industry as possible.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting way of articulating it. That that network and and they they operate as tribes almost. You've got right. influencers and nodes that are connected to other. Parts of networks, I, you know, when we're working with entrepreneurs, we talk about how important the relationships are and the, those networks are. I sometimes like to think of it. I mean, I think tribal um, is probably the best way um, to do it because there are certain, you know, tribes that don't play well with other tribes. Right. And that's an important dynamic as I'm sure you pick up on in your reporting as well.
0: Yeah, you you know uh, you you hate to use the word "click" because it it reminds you of something from from middle school, right? Where you had different clicks, but you know that's kind of what it's like. Definitely on the Republican side, where where there are different groups um, that are that work uh, very much close together. You know, you have uh, some groups that are more aligned with the the business sort of establishment wing of the Republican Party. You have some that are more aligned with the the sort of the newer Trump wing. You have sort of more of an activist set. You have groups that are very closely aligned with the party committees. Uh, you have different consultants that are closely aligned with people who candidates for soon to be candidates for president. It, it's about understanding all the different networks that are out there, and if you. Pay close enough attention to a consultant or anyone else who works in politics. You can come to see that they're part of a particular network, a particular group of people, and and uh, through understanding each of those networks, you can kind of take an approach where you understand that individual better, and in, in talking with that person, you kind of can put yourself into those sh- their into their shoes and understand their perspective or where they're coming from.
1: You're listening to the Business of Politics show. I'm speaking with Alex Eisenstadt of Politico. Speaking of relationships, they're obviously very important to reporters, but also to being successful as an entrepreneur in this business. What are some practical tips or strategies you have for building your professional network, which in this case is for sources, but you know, maybe for our listeners' case in building their own business?
0: One of the things, one of the, the practices I've I've always had as, as a reporter. Is when I'm talking with someone um, who's helpful to me. I'll at the end of the conversation. I'll say, "Who are two or three other people I should be talking to about this?" And then when I connect with those people, uh, I'll ask them, "Who are who are a few more people I should be talking to about this?" And you go on and on and on. And the goal is, and what you find is, is that through doing that, the more relationships you develop, and you know relationships. Uh, professional relationships are uh, like anything else the more you stay in touch with those people the stronger uh, that relationship develops and so that's a really big part of it is just creating uh sort of networks and, and building them out and uh, staying in touch with those people developing sort of a trusting uh, relationship with them so that way those sources feel comfortable with you you know like a lot of Folks out there who work in politics don't necessarily have great relationships with reporters. Are a little skeptical of reporters. Are a little uh, suspicious of them. But you know, the goal, and at least my goal, is is to make them feel really comfortable, to make them feel safe, to let them know that they're they're in good hands with me and that they can trust me in terms of me doing my job.
1: And I think trust is really the coin of the realm in these networks when it is so tight, and you need to be able to trust people, and certainly the obverse is when you lose trust, um, that gets spread really quickly. Alex, for a lot of the entrepreneurs that we work with at Startup Caucus, media coverage, especially in an outlet like Politico, is a key part of reaching their customers, growing their brand, building awareness. What are some ways that a startup founder can begin their relationship with a reporter like you beyond the transactional pitching and uh, you know, write about this thing that I did, which I think right. most people are, are familiar with.
0: Well, you know, one of the most satisfying kind of fun things uh, for me is when someone reaches out to me and, and wants to be a source and that they're a person of value, they're a person who is privy to information. And when a, a source reaches out to me and works with me on information, passes along information, you know, engages in sort of an ongoing dialogue with me. Not just about things that would necessarily help them, uh, but, but in, you know, through, through thing, having conversations about things that maybe aren't necessarily directly connected to them or, or necessarily, uh, directly things that they're working on, but just intel things that they're hearing. And that's how you sort of develop that relationship, uh, with the reporter. And, and, you know, through that, uh, maybe, uh, The information that's passed along to the reporter is more things that you are directly working on. So, so again, it's not just about reaching out to a reporter cold on, hey, you know, as you say, here's this thing I'm doing. Can you write about it? Uh, It's establishing sort of a, a tighter, more trusting relationship with that reporter where you're talking about a wide variety of things.
1: Yeah, it's there's a sort of sales framework that that I encourage people to use. You know, when you've got a, a contact or a prospect, rather than just following up with them, uh, saying, "Hey, have you seen the? You know, have you have you thought about this proposal? Can we do business?" Send them an article or something that's relevant to them. So you're always adding value back into the relationship, and that's that's true for every relationship, whether that's with a reporter or a, a customer, and start to build up that that rapport, that relationship. And it sounds to me like you you really do value the subject matter expertise that comes from some of these startup founders, because of course, in order to launch a startup, you've got to have expertise in some aspect of this process.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and, and I would say that it's not simply about, you know, startups or, or organizations that are looking to pitch things or looking to get Word about their product out there, but you know, it's also campaigns, right? And, and you know, we're, we're entering the thick of primary season right now. And, you know, you get pitches, uh, or I get pitches from campaigns and they, they want to put out, you know, an oppo dump on a particular candidate because, you know, and it's pretty clear to me why it's because they want to get a story out there and they want to, uh, they want to, you know, get. You know, how ha- end up having it be in it change up their, their TV traffic and get that story, Yeah, put it in a
1: TV you know, ad. Put it yeah, on a TV exactly ad. Right. That,
0: that's right. And and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, as reporters, we've all we've all had those pitches. But in terms of uh you don't necessarily want to just be coming to a reporter uh with hits on other candidates. You want to develop a broader sort of framework for a relationship with that reporter, and I would say you know, the same goes for, for a startup uh political consultancy or anything else that's that's trying to get their, their sea legs under them.
1: Alex, are there any uh tools or software that you use to do your job? I know you're a pretty old school shoe leather <laughs> reporter using your, your phone and, and hanging out in, in the right places, but are there there any tech tools that you rely on?
0: I wish I could give you a a better answer, but but not really. I think the beauty of being a print reporter is that you can sort of do your job on your iPhone and, and your laptop, and uh, that certainly helped d- during the pandemic. Um, but, but for me, you know, not really. Uh, just sort of thank you to Steve Jobs for for the iPhone because it's it's allowed <laughs> me to to do my job.
1: There was a really interesting story a few weeks back, um, I think, from one of your colleagues at Politico about Otter, which is the AI transcription service. Um, and, and some surprises that came with uploading a, a, an interview with a confidential source. Um, and so you there, know, that's a good one. Of, I hadn't thought uh, of
0: that because, because I personally do, you know, transcribing on my, myself, which can be, which can be a, a time consuming process, but I haven't used
1: any of those transcription services as of yet. Well, it sounds like you don't want to use them uh, judging by their, their privacy and security, but um, it's, it's interesting to see how, the delivery mechanism of journalism has changed, but it still comes down to talking to sources, reporting out stories, and writing them down.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's very much an old school profession, right? And at least that's my feeling about it. Remember when I was in high school and I realized I really wanted to write about for sports and then I decided I wanted to write about politics. You'd pick up the paper, you know, and they're either in the morning or the afternoon edition, And it was reporters getting the stories out and putting them in print. And even now, when we're in much more of a kind of an online-focused world, it's really the same thing, right? You're just not necessarily writing for a hard paper, but you're writing for online. But the process of reporting, I imagine, is very similar in terms of developing sources
1: and conveying information to readers. There is no way that you are old enough to remember afternoon editions of newspapers. I will actually
0: tell you that I, that I am when I was, in, uh, I was in high school in San Francisco uh, in the Bay Area, and I would ride the subway uh, from San Francisco back to my home in the East Bay, and the San Francisco Chronicle put out an edition every day at about two or three o'clock, and it was called the PM Chronicle, and it was a little different than what they had in the mornings. Uh, but there was always uh, some important information in there, new stuff, and and I got to love that, which is, you know, as a reporter, it's it's the thrill of seeking out new information and delivering that to readers, and uh, it's a, it's a rush that I that I've always experienced.
1: There is something nice, I think, about having a a finished edition of the news uh, that that it does slow things down a little bit in terms of focusing your consumption. I, I remember uh, when Politico was still in print and you could get it at, at newsstands all around town. Yeah, look, you know,
0: um, those of us, you know, a lot of us will remember, you know, growing up and at least for me, you know, coming downstairs uh, in the morning and seeing copies of the Chronicle and the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal on the table and and having having a, a, a copy uh, is is something that's really nice and and, and really attractive, um, and of course now we're much more we're much more digital in terms of uh, how we do things, and uh, the business is, has certainly changed. But again, I, I don't think that the way we get information out there uh, has necessarily changed all that much in terms of the overall goal of of what we're trying to deliver to readers.
1: So Alex, I'm going to ask you the same question we ask everyone who comes on to the, the podcast. And, and I think you've got a good perspective inside of campaigns. Is there a problem or challenge that maybe you regularly face as a reporter or you notice on campaigns that you think would make for a good startup? You know, this is going to sound funny, but uh, I have there are a lot of important press releases that
0: I've noticed go to my spam folder and it would be... Uh, it would be nice to get uh, maybe some software that that helps with that. I would also say, and and this is another thing, is some software that helps sift through federal election commission data. You know, ProPublica does a great job with this, but it, it would be nice to see some additional sources kind of come out with some software that that helps kind of break down that data because, and especially as you get into an election year, there's so much of it, and that would be something that would be really valuable. I
1: yeah, be careful what you wish for. If we get better at inbox placement on press releases, that means <laughs> you're going to get more fundraising emails past true. your spam folder. Um, that's true, and and uh, it is true. There's so much data out there. I think you know reporters uh, are are drowning in it, and but it's not always getting to you in the form that's that's most helpful. You know, so FEC data certainly certainly getting there, but they're the, you know with the ProPublica tool, you know, you're, there's a lag time. From when the when it gets filed and then compiled on their tool, so re, some really interesting um, areas for people to take a look at. Absolutely, there there are so many stories, or potentially so many stories in,
0: in in FEC data, in terms of you know you can look at a report and find an interesting donor who's made a really you know important contribution. That could be a story in and of itself. You could look at a candidate who didn't raise very much money. That can be a story in itself. So many stories can come out of federal election commission data. And that's something because they, they provide, they kind of pull back the curtain in some respects on a campaign or a candidate and how it's being run. And so that would be something that potentially could be really valuable for reporters.
1: It was really fun to turn the tables on Alex today and interview him. You can follow him on Twitter at Politico Alex. Remember to subscribe to the Business of Politics show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you learned something new or came away just a little bit smarter, please share this episode with a friend. And remember to give us a review so other people can find us. It's the number one way for new listeners to learn about the podcast. We'll see you next time.